Welcome to another episode of I'll Take Three, a movie treasure hunt. Hunt! And I am here today joined by two co-hosts who will forever be unnamed. And this <laughs> um, episode is brought to you by um, Philip Dick's classic novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Because we are talking about the 1982 classic Blade Runner. And we are talking about that film today because it is the first in our theme chosen by moi of films set in a future. And for those who've never listened to our podcast before, um, the way it works is we do take turns picking a film based on a theme. So there's three of us. We each take three films from a certain theme and each go around, we pick a new theme um, and we each get to pick that theme. So uh, this is our first pick or first of this theme, meaning it's my pick because it's my theme. Okay, guys. I need you to calm down, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about Blade Runner today, but let me actually allow my co-host to introduce themselves. I will go ahead and uh, allow you guys to be named. Kristen, get out of the way. It's my turn. Hi, I am the great Bambini. Jacob. <laughs> you should all know me as the great Houdini's former lover trainee. Oh. <laughs> okay, we made love one time. It was a secret night before he died. Okay, don't tell anyone. Uh, Glad it was before he died. Yes, yeah, before he died. I wasn't. I didn't like go visit his grave or anything. I mean, never mind. I won't talk about oh it. Oh my god! Not for this podcast. Um, but I am Jacob. Thanks for the unnamed introduction. Uh, I'll pass it over to Kristen for her intro. Hi. <laughs> uh, my name's Kristen. <laughs> oh my gosh! You would think we've been recording these podcasts for months. <laughs> I know. I just get so well, I don't know awkward. Okay. It was a bad. It was a bad segue for me to to you. <laughs> okay. Here's Christopher her intro. <laughs> yes. Like I'm, it kind of I'm Kristen. Okay. <laughs> hey, thanks we'll for being here today. <laughs> so um, we are going to be talking about 1982's Blade Runner, but um, we will talk about, of course. The original cut of Blade Runner, but the three of us did all watch um, Blade Runner, the, the final cut. Um, so the version of the film that Ridley Scott was able to oversee and um, remaster uh, for the 25th anniversary in 2007. Um, but we will talk about, uh, you know, some of those differences and weigh in on our opinions. Um, opinions, that's a weird word. Uh, uh, about the film, of course, but about the differences as well. Opinion is opinions is just uh, onions with an, a p and an extra o. No, an s. How do you spell opinion? I spell <laughs> onion. <laughs> Wait, I got it. Uh, opinions are just onions uh, with a o o p. Is that good? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> the original. The original plant, the onion. Wait, I got it, I got it. Uh, uh, opinions are just onions with a P.O. officer 
who's uh PL looking, officer. What is looking the wrong way? A probation officer. So probation officer officer. Yes, he was at the ATM machine <laughs> looking up his VIN number. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. This movie, Alex, I'll tell you what. So let's, I'm excited. Okay. I was gonna say, let's talk about um our our theme. Not our theme, oh. our um relationship with this film first, and then we can dive in a little bit to our opinions. Fine, I'll hold my tongue. But uh, go ahead and then release your tongue and tell me about your relationship with this film now. All right. So I heard about this movie at some point in time. I can't remember. <laughs> but when you mentioned it to me during the podcast last week, I thought we were going to watch a vampire movie starring Wesley Snipes. So I will. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I really did. Um, when I did watch this movie, I thought, I thought, okay, I don't know if I've seen Harrison For- any Harrison Ford movies until this one either. And I was trying to think of a Harrison Ford movie that I've seen, and I haven't seen the Indiana Jones movies, which we've discussed on here before. Um, And after that, I've seen – so I've seen the first Star Wars, and I've seen part of the second Star Wars, and so I've seen that. And other than that, nothing that I can think of. Um, Well, there may come a time we watch The Fugitive for this podcast. Oh, I might have seen The Fugitive. Is that the one that has a janitor, janitor in it? First, but second, yeah. Okay, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. Harrison Ford was in a movie that we watched on this podcast already. That's true. What, who true. Did he, what was he in? What Who did he play? Wait, think about it, Jake. Think about it. Oh, gosh. I'm going to guess he was in uh, that movie. Uh, wait, think about you it. You got it? Do You got it? No. It's a movie it. that we've watched on this podcast. Was it one we watched recently? No, it was in our okay. first yeah. theme. Yeah. Okay, so it was gonna be so it's gonna be American Graffiti, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. the guy right driving the yellow, not the yellow car. That was the black one. The yeah, black, the black one. Yeah, okay. So I have seen that movie too. That he's in. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I liked his character in that one either. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I watched this movie yesterday. I. That was it. The end. That's, your, that's my history that's, with it. <laughs> <the end. laughs> And there was no vampires in it. There were no vampires, which it, this movie would have been way better with vampires in it. Ooh, <laughs> spoiler spoiler alert, by the way. Not a fan of the movie. Sorry, guys. Okay, Kristen. Um, okay, so I've heard of this movie a lot. Um, a lot of people you guys have me. heard of this movie by title before. That's yes. that's right. the best. That's one of the best ways to know either, movies. I mean, you either by title yeah, or by seeing. Or you it. see it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, and with titles, there's no disappointment. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's the best way to know a movie. <laughs> okay, so I have heard of this movie before. Um, I've heard that it's a very, um, I don't know, popular movie. Uh, like a. Uh, cult classic. Cult classic. There you go. That's what I was looking for. But um, I had never gotten around to watching it. I've only seen like a little like cut like cuts of scenes sometimes if it was like on TV or whatever. But I haven't watched the whole thing altogether. And I, yeah, this is my first time really watching it all the way through. I, should I give my opinion now or wait and like? I mean, you could foreshadow like Jacob did. Well, it was not very impressive for me either. 
I did not, uh, I was not wowed by this movie. Um, it was actually quite a letdown, to be honest. So, Well, don't worry, Blade Runner fans. I am here to go to bat for this film as we discuss it. Um, this is a uh, one of my favorite sci-fi films. Um, my relationship, I watched this... I don't know, 10 years ago-ish. And then watched the final cut um, like four or five years ago. And liked it um, a lot. I do prefer the final cut over the original cut without the voiceovers. I think it allows the film to breathe. And the voiceovers aren't very good, as even Harrison Ford um, you know, attests. Um, but yeah. Uh, so this is a movie I've haven't rewatched recently. Um, I did watch Blade Runner 2049 when it came out, and I was like, man, I really should have rewatched this first because I was lost a lot during 2049. So now I need to go watch 2049 again um, while this is still fresh in my mind. Well, I'll tell you what, when 2049 came out, I also thought that was a vampire movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well i do like the idea because this movie came out in 82 set in 2019 and then 2049 was made almost 40 years later and it was set 40 years later mm-hmm. so it's like they were able to use harrison ford and um you know some of the the other um connections to the film edward james almost is also in 2049 so in 2049 do they uh do they, do they project what the future would be like from the 2019 that they present in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So they're not on Earth anymore in 2049. Oh, man. I got to rewatch it. I know. I know they don't. They're not always on Earth, but I can't remember if they're ever on Earth. Because the way that they make it seem in this movie, the Earth is not going to be existing within like a few years. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if they are on Earth at any point. I know they're not on Earth for some parts of it for sure but i can't remember if they are back on earth it's been a, it's it's been a couple of years and like i said i was a little lost watching it again just because this movie wasn't as fresh in my mind <clears throat> yeah um so how do you want to you want to give the rundown of the yeah, movie runtime and stuff like that talk a little bit about the film so um 1982 release directed by ridley scott um, who this is one of his thing. very first films um, following the success of Alien. So, um, and he's, you know, a well-regarded filmmaker, uh, also has done um, The Martian, The uh, Gladiator. Uh, he did came back to the Alien franchise later and did Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which were all right. I like, I, I know a lot of people are divided on Prometheus, but I, I really actually like that movie. I enjoyed Prometheus, okay. And then, um, you know, some other films in there as well that, you know, really well regarded. But this was his, you know, big follow-up to um, Alien when he got a, you know, a a bigger stake in um, his filmmaking. He was able to have a bigger budget, things like that. Um, Came over to work with American um, film crews too, which was a point of contention on the um, production of the film because he did not like the way that American uh, studios did their filmmaking. He was somebody who was really hands-on. He wanted to be like directly behind the camera, even, you know, shooting the film. Um, he didn't at want least a, he didn't just, want a director of photography. 
I mean, he probably uh, did as well, but he he wanted to be involved in that respect sometimes as well. <clears throat> um, but anyway, this film was based on uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Um, which is about the same concept of this uh, film, um, a uh, Blade Runner named uh, Deckard is hunting down uh, a retired Blade Runner named Deckard, I should say, mm-hmm. is back to hunt down some some replicants. They're just called androids in the book. Here's my uh, question. How mm-hmm. long do you have to be a Blade Runner before you're able to retire? I mean, you can retire from anything, right? At any point. I suppose, but how long have been how long have these replicant things been around for him to have been able to be a blade runner for so long to be the greatest like of all time and then retire that's a good question because this movie is 19 is 2019 from it's not said that far in the future really it's not yeah because what's that that's um 2019 is 40 20 years yeah so it's 40 40 years yeah it's like 38 because the two and then the one yeah Carry the five. Right. If you bring Rain Man in here, we could uh, <laughs> do some real math. Um, but this is a, a a film that didn't perform that great at the box office. It had a thirty million dollar budget, only brought in forty one point five, which was above budget, but not by very much. Um, it was a co production between the United States and Hong Kong. Also worked on the film. Um, or not Hong Kong worked on the film, but, you know, the, fi- helped finance um, some, from some Hong Kong uh, financiers. Are you saying this is a Chinese film? <laughs> <laughs> well, Hong Kong, you got to remember at the time, was really its own entity separate from China. And uh, not to get True. political, but that's where a lot of the issues right now with Hong Kong is because Hong Kong is returning back to China. A lot of those yeah. protections that they had are ending um, but it was it was uh, you know not very um, popular at the time, and it was kind of polarizing to critics. Even you know got very mixed reviews. Um, some people you know praised the themes and the complexity of of the story, and then the visuals because I, I know the storyline um, wasn't your guys's favorite thing, but visually, I mean the movie looks awesome, especially for an early '80s film. It looks uh, it looks pretty good when you can see things. Jeez, <laughs> where were you watching this? My in a brightly room. lit room. I was watching this like seven o'clock at night in my living room with my surround sound on. I thought my, it where I watched thought, where I watched all I my movies. I thought it looked good, like the cinematography of it and everything. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. They were like, it, they definitely did a really good job of world building. You know. Yeah. And it like it looked, it like it looked like it was like a very and like Philip, dystopian like you know, but it was very dark and smoggy and you couldn't see a lot for a lot of the stuff, um, which you know for the what they were trying to get, I mean, yeah, but for a lot of it, like it's really dark and smoggy, we can't even see anything. And Philip K. Dick, um, he passed away before the movie was released, but he got to see a, like a twenty minute. Um, test screening uh and he was like blown away he told ridley scott that it was exactly how he imagined it when he was writing the book on cool. um, the world 
and he thought um, Harrison Ford was a really great Deckard. Um, I like all the neon. And then um, Roy Beatty, uh, Rucker Hauer, who plays Roy Beatty, the um, uh, the villain, villain in the film yeah. antagonist. I, I don't really want to say villain. But villain the quotes. <clears throat> He's like this is the perfect Roy Beatty. Um, so really well received by the the author. Um, but I was also going to say other critics and people, which I think falls where you guys are, critiques the how slow the film mm-hmm. paces and kind of the the lack of action during a lot of the film. Um, but uh kind of talking a little bit of the about the production um there's a ton of story on the film because it is uh such a cult classic now so you know there's been documentaries made and things like that so we don't need to dive too far into it but ridley scott and harrison ford famously did not get along um during the film it was a really troubled production and for a long time like harrison ford wouldn't even talk about the film because he had such a bad time on it is this an episode of hot goss hot goss this is um this is the gossip corner. Hmm. But uh, he's they have since buried the hatchet. Um, and Harrison Ford is actually, you know, he returned to the franchise um, and uh, does interviews, talks about the film more now. <clears throat> uh, but the filming went on very long and had a lot of troubled um, parts of the, the production. And the studios, um, you know, kind of laid some heavy hands in it. They Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott both did not want to do voiceovers uh, for the story, and they thought they created a film that didn't need them, and the studios mandated voiceovers. Um, and Harrison Ford, he has said later in, that he did not intentionally um, do a bad job on the voiceovers. He just said that he um, they were poorly written, and he didn't he just didn't do a good job with them. Um, but he said he didn't intentionally do it. But there is um, rumors and a lot of people assume that he kind of was trying to sandbag them and do them poorly so, they so the studios them. wouldn't use them. Gotcha. Uh, so with the subtitles in the, the version voiceovers, that we watched the, you mean? with the voiceovers, I'm so sorry, with the voiceovers uh, in the uh, version that we watched the Final Cut version, um, I had kind of a hard time really – like, okay, why are they really doing what they're doing? Why is he going to figure out what he's doing with this, all this stuff? And then during, you sent me the voiceovers. I was like, oh, I kind of understand the movie now. And See, That's exactly what I thought about him, too, because I like the voiceovers. And also the voiceovers give it give the film more of like a film noir kind of film. Which it's I thought an, was yeah, cool. uh, like, film I noir, thought that noir was movie. Neat, you know, and... Like, it was nice to have explanation of what was going on because I literally was confused most of the time. I was so lost. And And I I got boring. Like, all that dead air that was going on, like, it just, it was too much. Like, too much. When they're driving the car, like, over the city, and they're just, he's just sitting in the car. Yeah, it was too much silent. The visuals of it, it's just, um, an but there's nothing but the the soundtrack isn't like making you feel anything like there's nothing about it that's doing anything to, yeah like, and you don't know where he's like where he's really headed you have no idea they don't you have zero clue what's going on all of a sudden he's just in this car and he's just going somewhere and you have no reason to understand what's happening i i um i agree i uh, not agree but i get the criticism um but i 
prefer it uh, where we're in a bit of a mystery ourselves with it. Um, we jump in ahead a little, like when he pulls the snake scale out of the bathtub and you're like, what is this? Okay, I had um, no idea what that was. I, was. I had like, no idea what, what that was. Exactly. <laughs> was and the voiceover is like, I don't know what it was, but it wasn't human. And it's like, uh, without it, you're like, what's going on? Where is this but, going? But then it like cuts and to the scene. Like, oh, instead of. I didn't well, feel, oh, I felt, what? What just happened? What? Because he's like doing the zoom thing where all of a sudden he's like able to like. Yeah, such a good. I don't, I don't, I didn't get what's happening. I didn't get what was happening either. Like, why was that girl? Why did she have all fish sudden, shells on her or whatever? I still don't understand. I don't get it. And like she wasn't there before. And then all of a sudden he's able to like move the mirror and she's in the room. What just happened? I don't understand. Well, he was able to, um, yeah, get, get into the reflection of from the mirror and she had the snake scales because she was but that the snake thing dancer. about it is, is the way that the angle of the picture was there wouldn't have been a reflection there she was the snake dancer mm-hmm. oh, See, i didn't get that at all now That's i get it he, but when, i didn't understand that at all so he he saw the girl and she had um you know some kind of out it's hard to tell exactly what it is, but that's where his mind is like, okay, this is must be who the scale is from. And so he goes down to, um, you know, the underground area where a lot of the film takes place and finds out he, he thinks it's a fish scale. He finds out it's a snake scale and it's all the animals kind of like synthetic you, scale. Right? Exactly. Cause all the animals are like dead. Um, there's not very many animals left in the world. Um, so if, you know, he, he, it assumes it's a synthetic scale and finds out that it's snake scale. So he finds out, okay, there's somebody here selling the snakes. And uh-huh, stuff making like that, the snakes. Yeah, yeah that made sense who, to me. They who they sold that. them to. And he na- finds the girl based on that scale in the tub. It's to- totally noir, a noir film. Yeah. I had no idea. Like, how did he, how did he even get that? Because he's like looking at some picture. Where did he get the picture? We'll get into it, I guess. Because I don't, I don't remember even getting that picture. The pictures um, came from Leon's apartment. Remember, Leon's like, there's a, somebody in the apartment, and um, Roy is like, couldn't get your precious pictures or something like that. So they were Leon's pictures. And Leon, the snakes, the snake girl, Roy, and Pris were all together. They were the four that he was hunting because they came from off world back to Earth. And they were like snapping photos. Oh, I was going to say, are you confused about who Leon is? No, Leon's the dumb guy at the beginning, okay. right? Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I No, the that. photos are like the synthetic, or not the synthetic, but like the memories that no, they've implanted. But nobody has memories except for Rachel. No, they're, and they're, they're real photos they took, but they're, um, they're what they have now. Like the memories they have gained is what they are. And like the theme of the movie and what we learn, especially from um, Roy at the end of the film, is like what they've gained in that short amount of time is all they've got, and they want to hold on to it, just like we want to hold on to our life experience and everything. But but they were uh, but they're slaves, so they don't deserve it. Whoa, is that how you feel? That's a, yeah, that's how I felt watching it. That's one of my that's one of my final thoughts at the end of the movie. Damn. All right. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, 
so the the other things i guess we can touch on the differences then because it's the um the voiceovers is the big part they also um the studio took out a scene when um harrison ford is uh deckard is you know looking over the pictures and kind of formulating his thoughts where he kind of dozes off and has that unicorn dream um they take that out and it's put back in uh for his i like, I like the unicorn method. dream um and we'll, i want i, I want to wait a little bit to talk about the significance of the the dream um and then at the very end i i don't know jacob how much you looked into it but the film ends in the final cut with the elevator shut and deckard and rachel going down and they know that um I can't remember the guy's the character's name, but Edward James Olmos's character is looking for him. Uh, Gaff, Detective Gaff, and that's the end. In the um, film, the version that the studio made them put in a happier ending, where they're actually in the car driving away, and they're, you know, they've gotten away from the city and from Gaff essentially, um, and they're How does, out uh, to be. You know, it doesn't really make it feel super happy to make 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 it much happier. Well, they're away from the the immediate danger. Because um, Deckard picks up that unicorn origami, so he knows oh, that Gaff okay. is there. Um, and so you're like, oh, shoot, he's there looking for Rachel. And you don't know what's going to happen on the elevator ride down and everything. Okay. Whereas that shows them, oh, they got out of the city. And well, I, pre- I prefer the end on this one then because it makes it feel like, okay, well, they're still going to get what's coming to them, you know. Mm-hmm. So those are the big differences. Um, they also, some of the violence, um, they toned down in the original cut that he, um, he added back in with his final cut. Okay, um, anything else? Um, oh, also for Harrison Ford, um, you know, taking over the role of Deckard. Uh, for a while, that was a character that they had a hard time casting um, within the the production or the writing, um, the original uh character that the screenwriter had in mind or the actor was robert mitchum who was a an actor who was well known for starring in film noirs so he kind of pictured him as who he was writing for and then ridley scott and the producers spent months um with dustin hoffman to try to cast him interesting um and eventually he uh they departed over differences in the vision of the film and and harrison ford was ultimately chosen he wanted to have a more dramatic film after star wars and the first indiana jones and stuff and he was kind of recommended by spielberg from working on with raiders of the lost ark and then rod rucker Hauer was immediately cast as as roy batty um based on scott saw his some of his performances um in some original of his films how how, how much of how much of roy's audition was him doing the hand um that it was 100 percent because that shot, they do it like three times in that movie. It <laughs> well, it's because he's dying. Well, they do it. He does it when he like first enters the screen too. When he first yeah. shows up, he's like, Ugh. well, it's kind of, and he's like, time enough is what he says when it first shows him. And it's like, we got time enough to try to figure this out. I think is essentially what he's trying to say. Um, but yeah, like I said too, Philip K. Dick really liked Roy Roy Batty's casting, and he said that he was the perfect Batty, cold, Aryan, and flawless. Is what um, he he kind of described uh, Rucker Hauer as. 
And then Howard um, actually rewrote his character's Tears and Rain speech at the end. Um, originally, there was a lot more um, of a monologue about, you know, the things he'd seen. And he left, leaves a couple things in, uh, but it didn't have that last line that he added. And he presented it to Scott, and Scott liked it. So they um, used that in the filming. The last line, that's the one about, like, the the teeters and... Yeah, because he's talking about his, you. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe, and he gives a couple examples, and he says, all those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Yeah, that, that one. that's a good line. So good. It's the best. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that's, uh, that's enough backstory on the production. Um, but it is a little, a bit of a bummer that the author died before we got to see the fully the final finalized film. film yeah um i guess let me talk a little bit since we did watch the final cut so kind of in the early 90s um the kind of original version that they test screened with um what kind of leaked out and warner Bro- warner brothers wanted to use it as kind of a unofficial director's cut but ridley scott um was eventually brought in to do a director's cut but he was still kind of he wasn't given total control over that cut and so that's why he did a final cut then in the 2000s where he was given complete control over how the film would um be for that cut so there's a there's like seven different versions of the film okay sounds like uh, too many cooks in the kitchen type of situation Mm -hmm. and that's i prefer the ridley scott version um just because it's was his original um, vision. And then also Harrison Ford has seen, I don't know if he's commented on the final cut, but he has commented on the director's cut and said it was remarkable. Um, and it was what he wanted as well without the voiceovers. Uh, they both did not want those in the film. So we start the movie with like that green little thing going on, that little logo that comes down. Yeah, the Lad Company. It's a uh, Warner Brothers-related company. It's pretty cool. I like that logo. That's good. Then the uh, opening credits, which are, uh, you know, all, everybody's names that are just just, just nice white font on black screen, which, you know, that that's a choice. It's a choice that Kristen has an opinion on. I said that it was a boring opening. Yeah, that's my opinion. <laughs> I thought the as movie well. was over already. It's like, what the heck? You guys were just, oh, already down on it. I uh, I make a note like when they right after they introduce L.A. and uh-huh. I put maybe I'm being too hard, and then I make a note later like five minutes later I'm like no you're right. <laughs> <laughs> to yourself, you said that. Yeah, to myself. <laughs> that's funny. But the scrolling scrolling text that goes up like Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I long, got lost on scroll. that. <laughs> I told Alex, I was joking around with Alex about the movie already, and I lost my place on reading oh, scrolling text. <laughs> Basically, they created replicants for slave labor. Then they wrote the slave labor revolted. Then they became illegal on Earth. I was like, I have to read in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Then there were, like, people who, like, hunted them down, and they were called Blade Runners, and 
it wasn't retirement or it wasn't no, execution. It wasn't. It's yeah. retirement because they're not people is what they want you to realize is like they don't have hearts or souls or feelings or emotions. They are merely robots. That's that's what they want to treat them as. Just a job. Retirement. Man, Jacob's got a cold heart going to this. No, room. they do. Oh, I thought you were saying that because you were saying at the <laughs> your feelings at the end was. No, that's that that's how this slaves. movie feels. Uh, let's that, keep let, let's let's keep going because that's how this movie feels is like that's how they yeah treat them yeah that's how they treat them and it's and you're supposed to and they make it put they put this movie puts out like Harrison Ford's a good guy and the replicants are the bad people and the, the all they are. are they have they want to live because they have love and feelings and emotions and they want to live but they're they were created to be slaves so they can't so we're gonna execute you or retire you and it's just you know this movie sucks <laughs> oh there's so much more growth in deckard though than that no, there's not there is his i think he sucks think relationship with rachel his the girl he the girl he manipulates the robot that he manipulates and she's rapes. more than a robot he doesn't rape her it it's is straight, very um it's very like it's not it's not um, i'm gonna hunt you he she's aware that he's the person who's supposed to hunt down and kill her right and he's like kiss me now and he's like no i don't want to he's like do it and he punches the door and she gets scared so she kisses him and and you know that goes forward it's it's manipulation and it's um it's what's the word i'm looking for it's abuse and it's a uh, it's a rape i do think it's not a way to be but i don't think it was that rachel didn't want to do those things i think it was being written i mean she came back she came to him. She came back to him another time. Um, she was, you know, it, she wanted to be involved with the guy. But what, I mean, the way he acted was not um, appropriate. It was forceful what he was doing. But I don't think it was like she didn't want that. I mean, you see it at the end that like she wants to be with him. I think that, uh, if someone is scared enough, they can act that way. I think if someone is in an abusive relationship and they act like they want to be with the person. What do you think, Kristen? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was a weird scene. Like, I don't know. I I mean, I can also see because, like, she's a replicant, so she's not supposed to have, like, emotions, right? Like, that's how they tell replicants from humans. And so I think he was, like, trying to get the emotion out of her because they're talking about how replicants can um, develop feelings over time. And so I think he was, like, trying to, like, force her to identify that she has feelings like she's feeling something for him like that's what i caught from it it was kind of weird and i 
was kind of uncomfortable in it. But yeah. I can see what that what they were trying to say with that scene was that he was trying to help her feel her feelings she had because she was a replicant and they're not supposed to have emotions. Like that's that's what I was getting from it. But it was kind of a weird scene. I think they just wrote it weird. Maybe Harrison Ford's not that good of an actor. I don't know. Maybe. So maybe he came on a little too forcefully. I think, you know, that... Well, like, I read in the trivia that, like, her, like, fear when he, like, pushed her back was real fear because she wasn't aware he was going to do that to her. And so, like, that might have been a little too over the top, like... Mm -hmm you know at that point i'd have been like what are you doing like don't push me like <laughs> i would have stopped the scene and been like what are you doing like stop <laughs> <laughs> but like obviously like maybe he was a little more more into that moment and like acting more than he should have but like i get where they were coming from for the story and i think too like the early 80s version of that scene would is different than what a version of that scene now would be uh and how we're seeing it through our eyes now it's probably different yeah and a lot of the like 80s movies like the big hero man has to be like like strong and like force not forceful but what's the word where he's like in your face you know like can't think of the word right Ta- now. he takes what it's he wants alpha. kind of thing yeah, yeah like alpha. like alpha like i'm gonna take this you know like that's kind of like what, what the men's role yeah, was what kind of sp- in. What a, man, what a man is supposed to be in quote. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what like a lot of 80s movies were. Is like the man has to be in control and stuff. So like I think that's also like how this movie suffers from yeah. it. I mean, and well, I, I, I do think it it's a made, so. problematic scene, but I don't think it was he's um, gaslighting her, manipulating her, raping her. I don't think that's you know what the what was happening i might be wrong that's just that's how i felt when i watched I it i mean i felt uncomfortable watching yeah, it it was kind sure. of a weird scene i wrote like, un- i get uncomfortable it. down in my notes so and they didn't like they didn't go back to rachel or like he's just gone you know yeah like and she's, so like, i yeah. thought that he killed Ra- i thought he i thought he raped her and then killed her is what i thought happened because he's supposed to be killing him you know so that's what i thought happened when i watched that scene well he says something about to her like about her saving him from Leon. Um, I, I can't remember the line, but... He said something about owing her one. Yeah, but that's so not he's not going to kill her. The, yeah, that's, I guess that was the night before. Yeah. Um, so, s- some quick hit notes during this early part of the film. Uh, obviously, this is set in 2019. We are nothing like the setting of the film. And I love no. in these futuristic films when it's like, um, you know here's the things that are so different and then they have to keep the technology they have within mm-hmm. the film like n- newspapers um what did you say you made a comment Kristen, on something in the oh that there was rotating fans yeah the fans like the ceiling fans and i was <laughs> like they seriously still have these in the future like don't they have ac like <laughs> uh, my the other smoking note on here too all was over they <laughs> My other note on here was they really thought this was the future. LOL. <laughs> when when they introduced uh, when they introduced it, I put twenty nineteen LA. LOL. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I love the atmosphere of this film. It has a very John Carpenter feel to me. 
Um, the smog everywhere, the grime, uh, the darkness, um, and then just the bright lights too, the neon lights, uh, the, the flying ship, um, vehicles, and then the blimp, all the, all the smoke and smoking too. I, I find cozy. Um, I don't, I don't know why I find it claustrophobic. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I find it like it makes me feel very tight and like we're in this city that is everybody's on top of each other and everybody's just like dirty and nasty and gross. Yeah. Yeah. See, I do feel that in some movies, but this one is, uh, and this film has been called like a, um, huge inspiration to cyberpunk, but this has like that cyberpunk, um, underground feel more than a, uh, What's an, a movie? A Candyman when they go to the um, bad parts of the city style of film. Because that's more realistic. I haven't seen Candyman. Oh, man. Our next theme. I do like how they uh, <laughs> do what? I said that's our next theme. Movies about oh, candy man. guys. About candy guys? <laughs> Willy Wonka, Candyman. I'm going to choose a... Uh, I don't know another one. I'm going to choose a... Uh, what's that... What's that? Uh, I don't think it fits. Oh, what about a John that? Candy film? A John Candy <laughs> film. Okay. I was. Oh God. What's that movie where the truck driver is like a killer and they call oh, the Candy radio? Cane Joyride? Candy Cane. There you go. That's funny. Uh, I do like how they did the like the future as like having environmental issues. I thought that oh, was yeah, really cool. For sure. Really All cool the animals choice. being dead too. I find really interesting an interesting choice yeah because in so many futuristic films it's like here's how it's going to be so much better and i like that it went like kind of melancholy yeah everybody wants to get off world Mm -hmm. um it reminds me of wally almost (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) yeah the um the tyrell corporation too is such a the way it sounds tyrell corporation Mm -hmm. like it just sounds like a bad place um maybe think game of thrones yeah, Tyrell, I was yeah. Say, do they live in High Garden? Maybe that's why. <laughs> Ridley Scott has said since he made Prometheus and Alien Covenant that he envisions that Guy Pierce's character um, from Prometheus, the guy who. Gosh, I can't remember the character's name, and I feel like a terrible alien fan for this. But, um, you know. You should. You're Wat- Watani. Something in Watani, but it's the other one. Anyway, that's the company who sent. who bankrolls it and stuff and guy pierce is the one who owns it he says that he was uh mentored by tyrell in his mind oh that's interesting tyrell in his pyramid yeah which i with the, one of the notes a that huge I wrote down. thing of candles everywhere <laughs> yeah one of the things that i wrote down is this is the only place that has any light in the hole <laughs> well he's up the above the yeah that's why uh so he's the only person that has any kind of light <laughs> Um, I love the opening scene with um, the interrogation. I guess you could say the test on mm-hmm. Leon and that uh, tortoise question. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of good questions that they use in some of the, the examples of that test. The uh, What's the, that test called? It's Do like a Ralph Doman's test or something like that. Voigt-Kampf machine. Yeah. Okay, that's what I said. And it watches <laughs> the, the eye. And how the iris and stuff, yeah. the pupil I like, dilates. I like during that scene how they build the like the suspense with like that spring that goes off and the heartbeat. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's really cool. The, um, did you guys, did you read Ready Player One, Jacob? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say there's a, a, cause that movie's all about, or that book is all about him having to go, excuse me, through these kind of tests and things that are related to eighties pop culture. And he, do, mm-hmm. he has to do a Vo- Voight Kampf, uh, test. Oh, that's cool. In that book. See, like that, like reference this movie. And that's like one of my favorite books. Like I, I made you read it. Like it was so nice. It was just awesome. Like I yeah. love that book. But like, I feel so bad not liking, like loving this movie. I feel so bad about it. Well, maybe I should, we should have picked the original, you know, version. Maybe go back yeah. in a few years and we'll rewatch the original version. Maybe. Um, but yeah, and then that uh, tortoise question, I can't, I wish I would have wrote the whole question down, but you know, that, a, a tortoise comes up to you in the desert. Uh, you flip it over What's on its back. You know, like a turtle. You ever okay. seen a turtle? No. But I know what it is. <laughs> but I know what it is. Um, you flip it over on its back, and it can't get up, and it's burning underneath, but you don't help it. Why don't I help it? That The actor playing Leon is really good, too. He really Most does the, play a, a doofus, but a terrifying doofus. <laughs> yeah. Most of the uh, most of the uh, a- are the robot um, replicant things uh, are pretty good actors. Yeah, the casting is really good in this film. And besides, yeah. you know, a couple of the top characters, they didn't um, pick anybody who was really well known at the time. Like Daryl Hannah wasn't really known for much yet. Uh, Edward James almost uh, wasn't huge at the time yet. I wrote and down not that he ever became huge, but. I wrote down for three different characters at three different parts. Oh, this is my favorite character. Oh, oh this is my and and none of them are uh, Harrison Ford. So, <laughs> well, Harrison Ford's not my favorite character either. Roy Roy Batty's my favorite character. He was at the end. He was my favorite character. But I do like Deckard. The uh, the idea of the off-world qu- colonies too. The way they have this this spaceship blimp that is just constantly overhead telling people mm-hmm. to go there um and then i also like throughout the film you have so much product placement like coca-cola so yeah atari pan am there's like so much product placement throughout the film and at the there's a idea of the there being a curse with the product placement in the film because for a long time like atari went under um, well, not under, but, you know, essentially under Pan Am did go under Coca-Cola wasn't was kind of struggling during that period of time when Pepsi was coming in a little hotter in the um, early 90s. Early, yeah. But, uh, of course, Coke, Coke has rebounded just fine. They're A-OK. <laughs> I do like uh, the character M- M- Emmett Walsh plays the kind of director of the blade runners who you know arrests deckard to bring him in and make him do it hmm. is that the fat guy yeah the big yeah. guy he's okay. from uh christmas with the cranks oh nice i yeah, saw that plays, in theaters he plays the old guy who's always calling tim allen old man okay i don't remember that movie but uh, i saw it in theaters that movie is awesome we we watch it every year for christmas 
Oh, wow, that's awesome. I don't remember it being good, so I'd never watch it again. It's not, but it's fun to oh, watch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also in the Coen Brothers' first film. He plays a, a kind of a not a bound, a hitman in that movie. Mm. Almost like a uh, Blade Runner for people. Oh yeah, kind of. <laughs> and then Edward James almost character has the origami, and the origami kind of plays throughout the film because he has three different um things he does so that scene he create he puts a chicken essentially like calling deckard a chicken for not wanting to do it mm. but he's uh he's retired yeah he, he doesn't quit do when he walked in and he's quit when he walked out it's more quit yeah he's more quit when he walked out twice good quit now that's what it was but he has to do it and so he gets brought in to kind of get up to speed on this because uh, they're the Nexus six models that he's hunting down and he goes to the Tyrell corporation to kind yeah. of get up to speed. So, first thing. Okay. This is my first note was, did they explain what he was doing going there? Cause I thought they said that he was going to test a replicant there. Well, yeah, that's what he's doing, but it's like, all right, let's see what this model of replicant let's, let me get a idea of them so is essentially so, like, what the they reason. all know that there's a replicant there right mm-hmm. but there's only supposed to be f- the four escaped ones and so they think that he has one tyrell yeah because he's the guy who makes them so they think he has he has one at, at, at on location but he only he doesn't he only has rachel i mean he might have others but yeah it's only rachel that he uses and Rachel doesn't just, know she's a replicant either, so it's a different kind of test, too. Yeah, it was just very confusing because it seemed like, okay, what was the purpose of Deckard going there? I didn't understand what he was gaining as a detective, you know, because he went there to do a test on somebody that ended up that he had no idea was a replicant. You know, it just, I didn't understand the intention of him going there. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it, I think it ends up paying off because he does such a great job with the test that he finds out she is a replicant. So I think he gains enough from doing that to be prepared to hunt these guys down. And, you know, essentially um, it could have been something where he'd find somebody like with the, the snakeskin girl where he could have brought her in and done the test or something without her giving it um, as much away. I just didn't. I don't I don't I just don't get it that part. I didn't get it either. <laughs> Just to help get more insight on those replicants, essentially. Well, I guess my, my big problem that I... We can move on after I say this, but... Yeah. Um, I just thought that they had caught one, you know? One of those four? Going, one of the four. And then he's going to test it. And then he never, like, questioned that after he questioned Rachel, you know? He never was oh, like, oh, where's yeah. that replicant at, you know? He was like, oh, okay. Gotcha. No, it was more like... um test on just a general replicant okay the um the role that eyes play in this movie is very interesting too because throughout the movie there's they and they this was completely intentional the way they shot it they put like mirrors at a 45 Mm -hmm. degree angle on the floor so it would reflect that goldness in their Mm -hmm. eyes and it's only replicants that um have that 
maybe except Deckard has it for a split second when he's talking to Rachel too. So kind of foreshadowing. I want to save that question more for the end though. Um, I like when he's doing the test on her too. And he's like, you, you find a full, um, what's it called? A centerfold, a naked centerfold or something. And she's, she's like, is this testing if I'm a replicant or a lesbian? A lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. And, uh, I like the way he says when he, you know, Rachel goes away and he's like, Rachel doesn't know. And he said it's a new way to test, like giving them memories and stuff as a cushion for their emotions. So when they, cause they're created without any memories or emotions, but they end up developing them. And this is their, well, let's, what if we give them emotions essentially? Um, which is interesting that they've never, never tried that before. Well, AI is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to Elon Musk talk about it? No, but did you know that Elon Musk's Cybertruck was based on the Cybertruck essentially from this movie? I uh, I actually think I might have known that. I've listened to quite a few Elon Musk interviews because he's an interesting guy. He's a weirdo. Yeah, he's he's very weird. He's very interesting. He's very different. Yeah. Um, I also wrote here, Kristen, more human than human. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, hey, more human than human. (laughs) The Rob Zombie song. (laughs) (laughs) The um, that was my only note of that. (laughs) The only Rob Zombie song I know is from Snow, that that game Snow Patrol. Oh, Dragula. Dragula. Yeah. I wasn't called Snow Patrol. What was that? Sled Storm. Sled Storm. There you go. In the back of my Dragula, burn through the witches and burn through the ditches. I'm gonna make a really terrible Halloween movie, and then okay. a sequel. Everyone's gonna hate it. <laughs> the um, the scene in Leon's apartment when he finds the pictures and the scale in the bathtub and stuff, uh, Gaff does his second origami and he makes a man out of a matchstick which uh, is interesting because they're in the replicants apartment as men in there which kind of foreshadows that um Mm. you know man versus replicant and not just that whole theme as well and then you guys i know uh were lost by the i mean i the snake scale i I, not to say like, hey, anybody okay, should have known what this was, but I know we might that was have a big thing for a second, that the... we missed my favorite guy. Oh, okay. Real quick, though, uh, the voiceover, I know that was something that was like, I don't know what that was in the bathtub, but it wasn't human. Like, it explicitly says it. Yeah. That would have helped a lot, I think, watching it. But when, when the replicants go to, uh, and they, like, go to the eye guy... The little Asian eye guy. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. I only yet. do the eyes. That hasn't happened yet. Okay. No. Because I have that before. I have that before the enhance, enhance thing. That is before the enhance. So this is him looking in Leon's apartment and finding the pictures and the scale. Oh, okay. See, I thought he, when he found the scale, like yeah, that was when he. And then next thing is, uh, Roy Batty. Um, oh, okay. And he's doing My his bad. hand thing, 
And then Le- Leon comes up and he asks him, did you get your precious pictures? Um, which is interesting when you think that because Roy Batty is valuing his memories and his life so much, but he's kind of playing like an antagonistic attitude towards it for Leon. Um, I think that was one of the things about it that made me feel a certain type of way. Cause it was very obvious that these people cared so much about their lives, you know, these mm-hmm. replicants and the people don't seem to care about their lives at all, you know? And right. so it's like, who's really living in this situation, you know? And if the replicants are enjoying and enjoying their lives more, who are we to say that, that they're not really living? You know what I mean? And so, um, the the whole way that they painted it, like these replicants care so much about these pictures, these memories, their lives. I don't know. It was very uh. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, they go, uh, looking for answers, uh, from the eye designer, guy. This guy is the boss. He's the most relatable character in this whole thing for me. You know, working in a cold environment. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what jackets. you do. <laughs> getting to see his breath all the time. You I'll need tubes right that home. heater tubes, Jacob, into your coat. Yeah. yeah, that's what I need. I need some of those things. Well, they the th- they don't have wireless anything in 2019, you know. So yeah, when you see, as you can tell by when he goes to the payphone later on at some point. Um, well, does. and that actor is um, James Hong, who's in a lot of you know good good enjoyable films uh chinatown uh forget it jake it's chinatown forget it jake airplane big trouble in little china uh wayne's world 2 forget it jake it's big trouble mulan forget Forget it the two jakes (laughs) Um, yeah that guy was right kristen Mm -hmm. yep he's awesome you know, it's funny that you that James Hong was in Big Trouble in Little China and I compared this to Big Trouble in Little China. Like it right. just felt really cheesy. Like, like, what do we say? Hammy? It was ham and cheesy. Hammy. <laughs> well, I I don't I did say like I get very John Carpenter vibes from this, but less the cheesiness, more just the the way he because he John Carpenter, I think, is like the master of creating atmosphere in his films. And I think this is one where Ridley Scott did a really great job doing that. But I think it's it's interesting. They go to the eye, eye designer for answers, you know, trying to figure out. Because they want to essentially live longer because their lifespan is only four years. And then Rachel goes to Deckard to try to get answers, too. It's like both the replicants sides that you're uh, meeting are going to people for answers. Okay, how did the replicants, Roy, how do they know about the eye guy? I don't think they give any information about that. It's probably just it's something they found out. That see, it felt just as clear to me how they found the eye guy, how uh, uh, Deckard did anything in this movie. Like they were equal to me. Well, Deckard, get you know he the one thing they know is Leon's apartment. He gets the pictures. He finds the girl in the pictures. The Matt thinks about the Snick Gale. Finds the snake manufacturer, the person he sells it to, finds her dancing. Like, he did such a good detective job. And then he just get stumbles to, upon uh, Leon. The eyeball guy, <laughs> get to the, uh, get to the uh, guy who makes toys, get to the owner. 
That's three moves, bro. That's better. Okay. Well, they had more to go off of. <laughs> I'm, just so- I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> but I, it's interesting how... I say it's interesting a lot. But Deckard, when Rachel comes, Deckard's telling her the memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something that... You know, did Tyrell tell him about the memories? Yeah. I like how, how that's kind of ambiguous. Anything? Yeah. Because it kind of lends more... You know, where? what are these memories... And he's um, like, exactly. you got him from your niece. He knows where he got him from. How does he know that? Does and he I, know her ne- the niece? I assume th- what really happened is that Tyrell told him about him, but he kind of leaves leaves it a little ambiguous. The Asian billboard lady, I, I'm i trying to figure out what she was selling exactly. It's some kind of pill. You know what it was, Alex. You know what it was. Viagra? It was a pill. Yes. Why would okay, she be taking go. it? Oh. No, she was selling it because you look at her and you're like, ooh, a woman, I need an erection. <laughs> Wait, a <laughs> oh, <pill>. a woman, <laughs> I need an erection. Um, I don't think I thought that when I saw that. <laughs> that's uh, that's how it works. That's basic evolution. It's guys. not like, oh, woman, oh. now I've got an erection. It's, oh, woman, oh, now I woman, need an erection. My... <laughs> yeah, because well, you can't get it up, which is why you need the pill. Well, and Roy Batty's talks about that later, too, about getting it up. Oh, we'll wait for that. I'm excited to talk about that. So let's <laughs> let's just wait. <laughs> the uh, and then you meet Daryl Hannah's character, Pris. Yeah, uh, I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, you don't know exactly who she is yet, but you know that one of the four is a pleasure bot, essentially. Um, and that ends up that's who Pris is, but she. You, you think she's just trash. some homeless person. Then you find out, oh, there's JF Sebastian, the person the eye guy told him about. Yeah, so she's like a Trojan horse coming into his place. Smart plan. Yeah, he's a fun, fun, fun character. I love JF Sebastian. Yeah. He was so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Number two for favorite character. So Asian guy, then it immediately went to JF. JF Sebastian. I liked his when he c- comes in and is like home again, home again, jiggity jig, is what his f- toys say. He his friends. The wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, the scene too when Pris like he stumbles over there and Pris runs through and she falls and slips and hits that car. She really actually actually slipped there and hit her elbow on the window and broke it. Uh, oh, like okay. that wasn't supposed to happen. And yeah, she, she like shattered. Yeah, she shattered her elbow. That was crazy. Dang girl, be careful, Pris. But uh, he brings her into that. He's got that huge apartment building, essentially, that nobody's living in anymore because everybody's—not well, everybody, but uh, most people have gone off-world. It's very um, grimy building, but it's also mm. like it's. it's just such a cozy uh, atmosphere. <laughs> it's very empty and wet. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's you go back to Deckard in the apartment, and that's when he, you know, is kind of pondering stuff, and he has that unicorn dream, which, you know, w- that was one thing that they took out um, from the original cut that um, Ridley Scott wanted to put back in, because it 
uh, is something that a lot of people say is more evidence that Deckard is a replicant um, because it's a implanted dream of something. But there's also people who say, oh, this is just showing that what replicants can learn is just like what humans can learn and, and manifest. I guess I don't remember the dream enough, but... Uh, it's just essentially a unicorn running through the forest. And also only replicants can dream of re- unicorns running through a forest? Well, no, just like they they have implanted dreams and implanted memories. And so it's like that's where the re- the big reason is because Gaff has that origami unicorn at the end. Like how would he know to make an origami unicorn unless Deckard... Um, was a replicant and they knew about that implanted information maybe he's like i'm gonna make a chicken today i wonder if he'll find some weird <laughs> meaning in this Ooh, I'm gonna make a <laughs> stick figure, you know but that's and so that's something they took out of the um original cut that really scott put back in and the reason i think that was the intention was to show that they want to make it a little more heavy-handed one way or the other on that question is Deckard a replicant is because Ridley Scott has said in interviews since that he believes Deckard is a replicant well I uh if you're supposed to ask yourself this that question during this movie I did not at a single point in time ask myself that question you never asked remember that being like a big question like a lot of people have like discussed about it debated about it think about it because I want to at the end talk about it okay okay well I I'll say that I felt like he had zero feeling or emotion throughout, which is very anti-replicant, so. Because they seem to care a lot. (laughs) That's true. Uh, The picture enhanced viewer. I love that whole scene. It's so fun. It was just weird. I literally wrote down, I don't understand. Is it creating new images? Because it didn't make any sense what he was, it didn't, like. It's just the technology. You can navigate through a picture. Like but that. he wasn't na- he wasn't navigating through. he wasn't like it's not how picture like he had a photo I have to watch it again because the way I'm remembering it in my brain doesn't make any sense. Well, he for, zooms in on the person sitting in the chair, which is Roy, mm-hmm. and he kind of looks at him a little bit, and then he zooms back out and he notices the mirror in the bathroom, and so he zooms in and look under the mirror, and then he's able to zoom into the reflection in the mirror and see the girl in I think she's in the bathtub or something and so that's where he puts to rewatch it because what my note says so like he moves moves the picture and it makes new pictures and he's (laughs) able to like see through see through things i don't understand is what i wrote (laughs) and then i wrote i mean it's not like the thing is too the technology isn't doesn't really exist where they could have a picture where they have that good of a reflection to view it's just something they had to create for the scene, yeah. really. Which is fine. I just didn't. It didn't. I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. I thought. I felt like they were trying to do like, uh, uh, basically like, like they do now in CGI movies, you know, mm-hmm. and they had no idea what it was supposed to look like, and they did it, and it was bad. <laughs> I I liked it. The, uh, then the next thing that I have is multiple questions in a row. Okay. Snake manufacturer, snake bar, snake stripper. <laughs> so. 
My next note was, I'm so confused. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know where that was, but it's there. (laughs) And that's what I think the film is trying to do is, you know, put that confusion in you. So then when he gets to the snake person and finds out, oh, that's one of those four people, that kind of is like you are able to be like, okay, now things line up. You so know. what is the, so part, like, you know, the, the replicant's plan, you know, what's mm-hmm. the stripper lady's, what's her part in the plan as she, like, is, like, hanging out, stripping? And she's not the sexual one, it's Pris? Yeah, Pris is the, I don't, I'm gonna have to look at, look into, I don't know, I don't have an yeah, answer. I just didn't understand, like, because everybody else seemed to be doing something, you know? And she and she was just there to get caught. It seemed like. I'm not sure exactly. That's something that I think it might be worth uh, double checking. I wonder if she was, maybe you know what it might have been too is maybe she was already the their pers their contact on the planet, like because she was maybe. working in that snake bar. But I thought it was they escaped from wherever and they came to right. Yeah. They did, but maybe she was the person who was helping them rendezvous and stuff okay Okay. so pris stratton is a basic pleasure model incepted on valentine's day 2016 so that she's the pleasure model Mm -hmm. and then zora right is that her name zora is a replicant with an a physical level superhuman endurance and a b mental level intelligence equal to that of pris and has been used in murder squads so she was the more like, I don't know, combative one, which Did is funny because she doesn't very combative. She fought I mean, Deckard. she kind of, yeah, she kind of fought him in the dressing she, like, room. She kicked him in the face and stuff. I remember the Pris fight a lot. Yeah. Because he was, she yeah, was like, can you yeah, when he goes towel there, off my yeah. back? And then she like punches him and then kicks him and stuff. Yeah. And then when he's going to the bar, those hockey masked dancers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I wrote, so Jason's a stripper too? Yeah. <laughs> and then th- this happens a lot during the movie, but I finally wrote a note about it. The way um, Deckard and Harrison Ford, he does his like sly half of smiles mm-hmm. a lot. I don't know. I-, I like Harrison Ford. Sue me. Okay, I will. <laughs> Another interesting thing when they think about, okay, this is where the future is going is they're like, all right, we're going to have video phones, but it's like, oh, they're going to be video pay phones. Nobody's going to have a cell phone. That's not going to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. You can't make it smaller, man. Everything's big. But it only costs $1.25 too. Like that's not bad inflation. It's, it's not bad. I like to the, uh, so if he sees the girl on the stage. Um, do you guys have any notes before he goes back there to her dressing room and stuff? No. So I like his, um, character he puts together. Like I'm here from the entertainment bureau to make sure you're not being invested or being, um, he's like, so you're not being like basically sexually harassed. Yeah. He's like, I'd like to check your dressing room. (laughs) What for? For holes. Holes. (laughs) (laughs) And then she, yeah, she attacks Deckard. And then that's when 
the whole chase scene he's, he's trying to find her and track her down and he finds her in that little s- subway stairwell mm-hmm. and she runs through and he eventually shoots her while she's going through those plates of glass the um then gaff and em- emmett walsh's character show up and they call him a one-man slaughterhouse it's 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 not slaughter it's retirement He's a legend killer. Whoa. Whoa. Randy Orton. <laughs> Rated, uh, wait, RK Bro. RK Bro. What if Edge joined the team and it was rated RK Bro? Well, three that'd, be, team. that'd be a good team. <laughs> <laughs> Way better than the team that they proposed today on Instagram of Edge and Rey Mysterio and Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic. Well, they teamed up on SmackDown last night. Yeah, I saw it on Instagram. You see Finn Balor came back? Yeah, I thought he was on Finn I thought he was on NXT. Speaking of wrestling, Sting and Ultimate Warrior, when they got into the business, they were a tag team. Do you know what their tag team name was? Nope. The Blade Runners. Oh well. Based on the film. What idiots. Well, they became megastars, so now now look at them. Imagine if they were the uh empire records guys like that would be a (laughs) good tag team imagine if they had names like edge and christian then they could have had a real tag team name (laughs) okay let's get back to the movie please that was about the movie the blade runners oh my god um and then leon finds him and you know asks him how long he's got to live and stuff and then has that iconic line, wake up, time to die. Uh, he says, how old am I? Slap. Wake up, slap. How old am I? Time to die. Or something like that, yeah. It was great. Rachel shoots Leon. And it's, um, saves him. The, uh, the whole scene, we already talked about. We don't need to dive into it again, but that romantic... It's what mm-hmm. it feels like they're going for at first, but whatever it goes, that whole scene happens. Yeah. Um, she does and ask him at one point, have you ever taken the test? And he doesn't respond to her. Oh, uh, interesting. I was going to say, uh, when they go to back to his house, I said, why is the lighting so dark everywhere in the future, even in the house? <laughs> 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 the... Uh, seen back with JF um, and he says he has that Methuselah syndrome that you know ages him and I like how like his organs or something yeah yeah and you can see it in the skin too and stuff mm-hmm. and I like how Roy it's like we have similar problems and it's like wow mm-hmm. yeah they totally do yeah it's very humanizing to uh, the replicants and that chessboard the glowing chessboard i, I like that uh, his chessboard and tyrell's chessboard they're both like beautiful chessboards yeah i like how they both have boards set up though and like they're playing each other on their own boards that's that's cool yeah the um pris spray painting her eyes and stuff to make herself look more like one of his toys too I th- mm. I thought oh that yeah whole thing was interesting she's like hiding there all still yeah that was cool well, that too, but yeah, I think on, she was more yeah. like doing it to appeal to JF. That scene in the apartment, Roy 
um, you know, manipulates JF into, Sebastian, yeah. you know, helping them and taking, taking them to Tyrell's apartment. Yeah. Such a nice guy. It's too bad he gets outsmarted by them. Yeah. He's definitely not um, up to speed on his human interactions and stuff. Or I guess not even just interactions with people who are his toys. I will say it isn't the biggest uh, backhand that he gets the whole movie, though. That's when right. he dies off screen. Oh. Yeah. Doesn't he get an on-screen death? Come on. I mean, you don't really need to see Roy, you know, chase him down and kill him. No, but Sebastian was so cute. I want to watch his eyeballs explode, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they get to Tyrell, and I love the way they... You know, because Tyrell stops their elevator up and um, JF gives him, the, you know, that move. And then uh, Roy tells him because JF had originally told Roy that that move is not going to work. Mm-hmm. But Roy's like, nope, checkmate. And Tyrell's like, why don't you come up? <laughs> it's like, you yeah. can't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty pretty funny. He's like, what are you doing over here? <laughs> <laughs> It's like one in the morning. Just yeah. <laughs> the um, and then he's like, "I thought you'd be here sooner," is what Tyrell tells us, Roy, too. Mm-hmm. And y- you know, he's trying to find out like what can what can you do to help us live longer? And it's not anything that can be changed because it's just part of their cellular growth from the beginning. So once that's taken place, there's nothing that can be done. And. I like to Ty- Tyrell's like, what do you want? He's like, I want more life father. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's Tyrell's like, this must be hard to meet your creator and stuff. It's just very interesting scene. Yeah. This scene was very, this scene gave me the most thought of any of the things scenes in the movie, because it's very much like once you finally do, you know, meet that person and they're basically wanting the same thing that you're wanting, you know, the creator basically wants more life too and just more you know and it's just i don't know very interesting and, and it's not uh, like i don't think tyrell i think tyrell would have gave it to him if he could to he seemed very proud you know mm-hmm. which uh is also an interesting ju- juxtaposition when um when you put that with rachel who he basically leads to slaughter by revealing that she's a replicant yeah, the and then when she disappears, her. it's just like, now the, hey, Blade Runners, go hunt her down. Yeah, yeah. very, very interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. And then Roy kisses Tyrell mm-hmm. and then crushes his skull and jams his eye sockets. Yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful moment. The kiss was really <laughs> nice, uh, and then the murder. And I am not being sarcastic. I mean that that thought it was a nice moment <laughs> <laughs> what what did you think Kristen? i don't know i thought it was pretty like not like i don't want to say it was a good thing but it was like roy got the satisfaction of killing his creator because mm-hmm. he knew that like his creator didn't care about him i mean that like, he cared about him as like something he manufactured exactly but anything as more his than creation that, but that's yeah a... he didn't care about that and so I found it satisfying to watch Roy kill Tyrell because of that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That's how I, also, I saw it. I agree. I also really like this part because once he, once he has 
this discussion with Tyrell. Like basically, he, he it's finite. You know, his entire plan is finite. You know, he, his life is finite. And what's he gonna do with the rest of this last few before he crumbles and you know mm-hmm. his cells deteriorate or whatever happens? You know. Right. That was that was their last hope, and it was gone. Mm-hmm. And then, Roy. You know, probably just in in the anger of it and not knowing what else to do, kills JF as well. Yeah. And so then, you know, before he's made it back to Pris's apartment or anything. She's chilling. Or not Pris's apartment, but JF's apartment where Pris Pris is. now. JF's gone. The news gets out. And so, you know, obviously first thing, what are we going to do? Let's figure out why, you know, go to JF's. And so Decker calls up JF apartment and Pris answers mm-hmm. and she's like who are you he's like i'm an old friend of jf's and then she hung hangs up and he's like that's no way to treat a friend <laughs> and i like the then the cops show up too and they're like you can't be here he's like i'm blade runner uh do 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 is my code and they're like all right you're good uh have a better one (laughs) they're like what are you doing here and he's like uh, investigating something and then he he's like what are you doing here and they're like arresting you (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing here who are you bojack horseman yeah i am (laughs) yep i'm somebody to bojack horseman I, I love too. He gets there and Pris pretending to be a toy. That's very clever. Oh, it's so good. She fits in so well. Mm-hmm. And she does like the eye roll thing that like the Undertaker does. And I was <laughs> like, Pris is the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> She's built a tombstone Harrison Ford's ass. <laughs> and the way she attacks it too, she like uses her legs to mm-hmm. try to, um, you know, kill him. She's so like I was them. looking up the letterbox reviews of this. You don't like I don't think you understand how many reviews there are of like Harrison Ford's crazy because if I were him and I had Daryl Hannah's legs around me, <laughs> I would let her kill me. It's so stupid. Like <laughs> men are dumb. Thick, them thick thighs. That's not know? that's not what I said. Do you remember what I said, Kristen, when that was happening? I don't know. When he flipped around, I was like, Power bomb. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um and then he ends up uh, getting her off and shooting her. And which um, her death scene was really disturbing. It's like she's like flopping around on the floor. <laughs> he has to shoot her like three times. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, like he's exercising, exercising, exercising <laughs> a <laughs> demon at her or something. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. So, well, she's you know she's doing gymnastics. So as she's flailing about and then it gets shot. It was just really weird. <laughs> very uh well and to um the, the how bloody it is and that you know that's a lot of that gore and stuff was added for this cut is definitely a violent part of the movie. And then right when she's she dies, Roy shows up. Mhm. And he plants a big old big old smooch on her lips too. I know. I wrote here. I wrote Roy kissed a person about to be killed and a person who was just killed. He's uh, that's <laughs> the ultimate. That's the ultimate fulfillment. He's got nothing else to live for now. He's got before and after. Yep. Which What's, makes um, the more poetic, you know. What you got going on, Kristen? What? What do you got going on? Nothing. She's still got a selfie stick over here. She's like. Choo-choo, choo-choo. 
I am not taking selfies. What are you doing? Nothing. Playing Pokemon? No. <laughs> See, Pokemon's terrible, Alex. This is your fault. This is. What did you think about that scene? About when he kissed uh, Pris when she was dead. Okay, I'm just making sure you're. Uh, it was really weird. Did you guys notice that her tongue was out? Like yeah. it was like, uh. <laughs> like, and then he kissed her, and then it was in her mouth. And it's like, did he push her tongue into her mouth? <laughs> He's like, get That's back funny. in there, little froggy. <laughs> <laughs> and that then he. Really weird. Um, you know, Decker tries to shoot him and stuff, and doesn't. Well hit him and he then tries to shoot him and then roy is like i'm gonna break two of your fingers okay and then he, now here's your gun back <laughs> <laughs> well then he's like um you know he shoots and he's like straight doesn't seem to be good enough like you he can't do it yeah so it's I almost like it he's he's trying to because he knows he he has a death sentence so he's just trying to antagonize this guy really and then that he says like um what does he say something about <laughs> i'm gonna come in there or he I'll, says okay i'm gonna five. give you wait yeah. he says i'm gonna give you a few seconds before i come and i was like that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> i was cracking up at the <laughs> like you can't believe they wrote these things that's <laughs> Man, but Roy, during this fight scene, Roy and the actor, he was giving me major, like, split vibes. Oh, he's just unhinged at this point in the movie. Yeah. I mean, you know, he removes his clothes, and then he's just trying to That's what my other note was like, why is he naked? (laughs) (laughs) He's just very primal, I think, is part of it, too, which is interesting. And then he also says... You better get it up or I'll kill you. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, my God. These lines are killing me. And they okay. chase. So Decker tries to escape. Did you have anything else before? No. My Decker, next thing is like near the, near the end. Yeah. Decker escapes through the, the building and comes out on top of the roof and then jumps across to the, the other side. But, uh, you know, it's just hanging on. He, um, with Facing his broken under, fingers, like, the little edge thing. Mm-hmm. And then Roy gets up there, and he easily jumps across it. Yeah, you gotta explain what's happening here, else, because my note is bonkers. Well, um, you know, Deckard is just trying to hold on, and Roy's like, you know, tells him, you know, this is what it's like. You know, you know what it's like now to fear death. Uh, that's what it is to be a slave. He says, quite an experience living in fear, isn't it? That's it. That's what it's like to, to be a slave, which goes back to my reflection of this whole movie is talking about, you know, that's how that's how I took the movie was like it was a lot of it was about the idea of like being a slave and like how corporations and advertising and all of us are constantly going to be slaves to these big corporations and, you know, and so a lot of that I felt like was a big theme for this whole movie. And this line here near the end, right when he was like about to dive, was very, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely a very thematic movie. Um, and then Deckard's about to fall, and Roy ends up saving him and pulling him back up. And then, you know, they just kind of um, 
have a second there and then Roy starts talking and telling him about you know you people have seen things um you you would or I have seen things you people wouldn't believe and he talks about you know fighting people at, at the edge of Orion and these memories and then has that line which is one of my very favorite lines in any movie all those moments will be lost in time like tears and rain okay hold on and- can we I'm sorry Okay, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll ask my question when we're done with this. I was going to say that's, and, you know, that's that whole life. He, they only, he's, he only has memories of three to four years of, his, of, of living, but that's even you get 60 years, 70 years. That's how people feel like everything I've experienced, it's, it's going to be gone, you know, after this. People want to have, have a way to leave their mark in life. And it's just such a powerful theme. Well, and so much of, you know, like humanity and life in general is about what's going to happen when I die, religion, everything like that, mm-hmm. you know, the pyramids. Like, it's all about what's going to happen when I die, you know. So it's a, it's a very big theme in, the terms, of, in terms of the human uh, conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. But it's like. You shouldn't, like, I really do like that line because you don't really realize how precious the memory is until it's gone. Like, you know, it's past. It's in the past. So then it kind of gets lost back there, you know. And, like, I don't know. Like, we should enjoy the moment as it's going. Like, (laughs) just kind of trying to throw this out there. But I recently read this book that was called The Energy Bus. Um, I had to read it for work. Um, and it kind of like tells you to enjoy your ride because you're the driver of your own bus, you know. But you like enjoy the ride as you're going. And it's it's like a real eye opener. Like you're the one who makes your life. You're, you know, you're like you make your successes. Like you're the one that has the reaction to what happens in the world and like the way that this line like i really do like this line about how they're lost in the rain because you know rain and tears are the same you know they can get lost but like memories can go by so fast that you forget them and that's why you should remember them you know yeah that's a good way of thinking of it too more than just death like even while living those moments Mm mm-hmm like, you just have to, like, enjoy it. Like, what's the point? Like, we only get one life. You might as well enjoy it as you're going, you know? Yeah. Like, make the most of it. Yeah. And that, and when you think about what their mission, what they were trying to achieve, was they were trying to get more life, you know? They were trying to get Exactly, yeah. And so it makes them more, like, it makes me want to root for them even more, you know, throughout the whole movie when you think about it. Because it's like, man, they understood. They appreciated. They Right. They live. They they, they had do an what I want a hero date. to do. Yeah, like know? think. Yeah, like think about if you had four years of life. Like how appreciative would you be of everything that happens to you, of every little piece in life? Like you would be so appreciative of everything because you only have four years of life. Like it's just crazy to think about. And then Pris is just hanging out by a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then, you know, he watches um, Roy die. Did you have more to add to that? Okay. So I'm going to read you what my note says. And 
The part where Bleaker is hanging from the steel overture thing. Bleaker? What is, what is the guy's name? Deckard. Beckard. Deckard. Or Deckard. Deckard. Yeah. Becker. 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 Ted Danson? <laughs> yeah, Ted Danson. The part where Ted Danson is hanging over the steel overture thing. <laughs> and then here's what my notice is. It cuts to Roy, who is cross-armed, and he has a white dove in his hand. Oh, yeah, the dove. I <laughs> and it's like, what the, the fuck is going on right now? He, like, jumped, he jumped over that, uh, like, from building to building with that dove in his hand. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. It's Somebody crazy. tell me what that is. That's a choice. What does it mean? I'm pretty sure that was something that... Um, uh, Rutger well, like a dove means a like like a dove is a symbol of hope. Like, but where did he get a dove? All the doves, are d- all the animals are dead, right? Right. Well, the, you got to remember in that house when they're going through the different rooms, there's a room full of birds. So that I mean, there's not saying that they're real birds. They p- could be just manufactured birds too. But that's probably where he got the dove from. Was within that room. Okay, I don't remember that part. But I was so confused. I was like, what is he? What is this bird? What's happening? I was lost. All right. That's my last thing about that. Uh, I jumped to the end after this. so. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about the, the dove. And, it, yeah, because the dove is um, like that symbol of something pure. Like people who have doves mm-hmm. at their weddings, weddings and stuff. And stuff like yeah. That, yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of... Like like you said, uh, the replicants, Roy, all these guys, they're more pure than a human. So, like, I saw with the fact that Roy saving Deckard was, like, him being, like, his last act of his life, showing that he has empathy for someone. You know, like, he has that emotion. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I saw from it. And I was like, wow, like, you know. Yeah. Like, I agree. He's using his last moments rather than just letting Decker die, but rather like rather saving him to show that he has remorse and empathy, you know, just like a human does, rather than having no emotion or anything like people have been saying that replicants are, but they do care. And he used his last bits of life for something good, you know arguably more empathy than the humans themselves exactly so i just want to butt in here and say could a movie be this bad if it is creating so much discussion okay guys i think i think it only creates so much discussion because uh because it's so good okay so i'm not like i told you this before like the story is good i do like the story it's just like the rest of it is like the I don't know how to explain it, but the rest of it's the just slowness not that good. of the yeah. Film. Like I wish they like had more embraced the voiceovers. Like I wish Harrison Ford had done a better job at it. Like it would have been because you can tell from his voice that he's like I feel like he botched it. Like yeah. well, I don't think say, they like were very really written did. very well either. Yeah, yeah. but still, it's like, like I sat if there and actor, watched Roy no, die. <laughs> if you're an actor and you have that job, you put your all in it. Like you do everything that you can to like put passion and like your worth in it. Like I just I just feel like he purposely like the way I hear his voice in the voice in the voiceovers, it feels like he purposely 
did a bad job. Like they like say, like he, like he purposely did that because I want to, I want, like I've seen Harrison Ford and other stuff and he does seem like a pretty good actor, but sometimes like, I don't be, like believe that he's like purposely being bad. And I think he did in this voiceover and I really hate it because I like the voiceovers that are in the, the theatrical cut. Like I wish they had been better because I think it added to the movie. I agree. Yeah, it like, <laughs> like it just it like, I don't know. Like I don't want to say it's like dumb. Like you you know you need like explanation throughout the movie, but like I feel like with this one you did because you're it does leave like open ends and everything. Like with this know. movie, you're shoved into like this futuristic environment, you know, where you have no idea what's going on, and mm-hmm. then all this, and then they don't explain what's happening. And you're supposed to be able to catch on. And I agree with the... I really like the idea and those of, of the film noir and being able... Like mm-hmm. the feeling of the film noir. And that voiceover adds, adds so much mm-hmm. of that feeling to it. And, I agree. Uh, I, think, I think they lost something big in that with, with losing that film noir element. Because it's got such a cop detective mystery you know, feel... Um, which a sci-fi film noir movie is a cool idea. I don't, this, I don't know, this, so much of this movie was just confusing and overwhelmingly, like, made me feel like they didn't understand who the protagonist was supposed to be and who was supposed to be the good guy, who was supposed to be the bad guy. And I think that was intentional, though. It didn't feel, it felt like, it felt... Because Roy it is felt. very, he's very intimidatingly. Yeah, I can, he, I can see he that because. He feels evil at first, but. Yeah. He devel- but he's like fighting he for something. Like yeah. he's fighting for his life. Like. Well, and I don't even know if they felt evil at first because I don't think. Well, the I don't they were introduced necessarily was mean very confusing. And I just mean I like his really... appearance and his demeanor. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And like the way that the humans and like make them seem so dangerous, you know, they're coming mm-hmm. to earth, they're going to kill every, you know, and, um, yeah, they kill for sure, uh, which is bad. Um, but I don't know. They just, isn't that, isn't that a product of this, um, division that they yeah. c- come in to kill? Right. Yeah. And I mean, Okay, I'll give I'll give this film uh, a little bit of credit in terms of like it does do things that not a lot of movies do. You know, it takes risks, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it does do a great job of world building. You know, you feel like you're in a futuristic environment or like a world that is living on that. Um, but I don't. I guess just me as the way I watched this movie and maybe it's because I watched it in 2021 instead of 1982 or whatever, but I just got the opposite vibes of what a lot of what you're saying. You know, I didn't feel cozy. I felt claustrophobic. I didn't feel, uh, I didn't feel like it was. Well, I don't think the intention is, Hey, let's make this feel cozy. I think that's just the way I, I feel about it. That I think that's entirely me personally. Okay. I was reading some reviews and a lot of reviews described as cozy. 
okay. I was reading this this thing uh, from Time fr- from Time Magazine where they're talking about like the best uh, futuristic movies of all time, and it was talked and this was one of the highest rated, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it talked about how it was cozy. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was. I, can't I love. What I was talking about. I but. love the coziness of this, and um, you know, it it's like. Uh, the Matrix isn't cozy, but it's a similar thing where like, you there's no sunlight, and like in, I, I don't want to spoil the Matrix, but at the last part of the movie, the third movie, they end up going above the clouds at one point and seeing the sun on the real Earth and stuff, and it's like such a impactful moment. Well, it's almost like uh, people don't realize what's there. And they're too afraid to explore or think of any other reality possibly existing. So, uh, like the like the whole UAP phenomenon that's going on right now, um, it might not be aliens. It might be other dimensions leaking into our dimension. You know, and people don't ever think about stuff like that. And it's it's interesting. You know, um, it's like we're all variants or something. We could all be. You know, whoa! <laughs> I I want to be a replicant. You could be. You don't have enough emotion though. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I uh, this movie maybe it's good. Maybe I'm too dumb to understand it. But I thought it sucked. That's that's the end of my spiel. Well, I think I think it, like I said, um, and we're we're not quite at final thoughts, but oh, okay. I think we're summing them up anyway, and that's okay. But give it a few years. Let the film kind of fade a bit and. Maybe try watching the original the theatrical cut. version. Yeah. Um, real quick before the very end of the movie, I like when Gaff shows up at that moment when he, you know, um, Deckard is watching Roy die, and you know he's like, "You've done a man's job here," and then he ends up talking about Rachel and says, "You know, it's too bad she won't live." But then again, who does? Yeah. And the, See, you know, like, really I line. think that's a hint to the fact that Deckard is a replicant. He said, you've done a man's job here. I think Deckard's a replicant. But that could have <laughs> just been like, you've done a man's job here, 1982's masculinity, you know? <laughs> well, let's yeah, dive into that been. now, because we're at the end of the movie. The You know, he and Rachel go to leave. The We talked about the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was texting Lance, our friend Lance, from the... Uh, podcast Filmoscopy, our friends over there. Filmoscopy, which I will be guest starring on soon. I'm not sure what the the next episode they'll be releasing, but might be out by the time this one comes out for us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not sure exactly what's going to be happening in terms of release schedule, but uh, hashtag. I mean, not hashtag, but announcement. Listen to Filmoscopy. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob's going to be on the episode of the Greatest Showman. Greatest Showman. Yep. Uh, but I was texting Lance and I'm like, he's like, Hey, could you make sure to ask a listener question for me? And his question is, is Deckard a human or replicate? And I'm like, man, of course we're talking about that. But then he also man. said, also, I need to know, is a hot dog just an American taco? I, uh, I only or is eat. it a sandwich? I only eat pink tacos. I mean, it's a taco, right? But it's a sandwich because it's in between two pieces of bread. I guess. But then a taco is a sandwich. Does a taco have to be? Is a sandwich a taco? Or no, is a taco a hot dog? Here, here's what. Yes. Here's all you need to know. <laughs> or tortilla 
a tortilla doesn't count as a, a bread because it's one solid piece, whereas a sandwich has two pieces. So a okay. taco is different. But what about so a sub? A sub. Let's throw out a sandwich. If they're not connected, cuss. they're not a sandwich. A sub okay. is one solid piece, though, that folds over. But is that a taco? Is that a taco? Is it a sandwich? Is it n- no, it's it's not? It's not a sandwich. It's not a sandwich because it's not two individual pieces of bread. Yep, I agree. It's rolling. There we go. Kay. We got that. Okay. So is a sub a taco? <laughs> is Deckard <laughs> a, taco a human or a replicant? A so, Kristen, <laughs> you think Deckard is a replicant? I do think he's a replicant because what better Blade Runner is there than a replicant who has no emotion? And who just kills whatever he's told to kill, or not kill, but retire. And emotions develop, like a replicant's emotions develop. But here's but the thing. But I feel like he was like told, like you're, like you're a human, you know, like it's mm-hmm. okay. Like he, I feel like he thinks it's okay for him to not have emotions because he didn't have any emotions until yeah, he, Rachel came into his life. Isn't there a whole thing where it's like they're the model, they're this certain model of replicant where they now feel emotion, you know? And yeah, so he's been. He's been there for a while. And he, like, has remorse when he has to kill someone. Like, he's, like, they said that he's, like, or he said that he has had his fill of killing people, you know, of retiring people or whatever. But, like, I think that's that that's what proves that he's a replicant is the fact that he feels bad about killing them because he knows he's a replicant. I feel like he took that test and he figured it out. Like, he knows he's a replicant. What do you think, Jake? Well, I, he definitely doesn't know that he's a replicant. Um, yeah. But I would say that he probably is a replicant. And he probably... Well, okay, I'll say this. He definitely is a replicant because Ridley Scott is one of those people who wants to put things in your movie to make you find them, find them right? And so with this, with all the symbolism, it's definitely something that's in there. Um, but I didn't think for a minute at all watching the movie that he was a replicant and I think it was because he had no emotions and I felt like the replicants had emotions and so it didn't make any sense for me uh, for him to be a replicant because he sucks (laughs) so some interesting things before I give my opinion Um, like I said Ridley Scott wrote it um, and believes that uh, Deckard is a replicant. Um, in the book, uh, re, uh, do uh, do androids dream of electric <laughs> sheep that the movie's based on? Um, Rick Deckard is at w- one point tricked into following an android whom he believes to be a police officer to a fake police station. Um, and Deckard ends up taking the test and passes, confirming he's a human in the book. Interesting. Um, Harrison Ford, uh, has said he does not think that Deckard is a replicant, um, which is, you know, exactly the opposite of um, Ridley Scott. So I, th- uh... I have thought in previous viewings of this movie that he is a replicant. In this viewing, I think he is a human. And the reason I say that is this whole final um section of the film his battle with Roy and Roy saving him um, that is only impactful if it's man versus machine if it's just machine versus machine I don't see the impact of that 
I just figured it out. He can't be a replicant because replicants die after four years. He's well, been alive for so long. They're designed that way. Well, but that's that like the newer versions. Yeah, yeah, because they figured out like they like replicants can, you know, evolve over evolve over time. So that's why they put that fail safe in there that they only last four years. Right. But Deckard has been alive longer than that. So I think so he's you're a telling replicant. me you're telling me that Tyrell had the power to save the replicants lives. Yeah, but he saw them as just well, something he, didn't he manufactured. Well, he have the power to save them afterwards, but could he not he transfer their consciousness to a different body? I mean, I don't know about that. He's a businessman. He the, doesn't care about that. In that the creation costs money to do. of the replicants is when it's determined, you know, wh- how long they live. So that was something that was added later was their lifespan being shorter. So, definitely split. You know, that's how ev- people are split over it. Lance does think he's a human as well. Um, uh, am I the only one that thinks he's a replicant? <laughs> J- Jacob, were, did you switch to human? You started saying replicant, right? I said that he's probably a replicant because Ridley Scott says he is and he's the director and writer. But uh, but he didn't write the book. But didn't he like adapt the screenplay? I mean, he left it ambiguous for a reason. But he believes that yeah. Deckard is right. So I said that. But I said that based on the way that he was portrayed and based on the fact that he shows no emotion, whereas the replicants do, he probably is uh, human. a human. Yeah. It's fun fun uh, to think about. And I think that brings us to the end. So final thoughts. I'll go, I'll go first for my Blade Runner fans out there. Uh, this is a five-star film for me. I love the neo-noir style, the atmosphere of the movie. Um, Roy ba- Batty, Rucker Hauer, he's fantastic in that role. And, you know, the final moments in that line um, is just one of those iconic lines for me. And just a very uh, thematically this, the idea of, you know, everybody being scared of death and... I think is universal. So this is one of one of the top movies for me, a five-star film. All right. I will say that after hearing you discuss and knowing that my, how my brain has been thinking about death and, you know, life and stuff lately, you know, mm-hmm. pontificating the important things. Um, maybe, maybe I'll like it more later at a different viewing, but for a first viewing, Watching the final cut. This movie is terrible. Uh, it's too dark. Can't see what's happening. No idea. What's Can't follow the plot. Um, I feel like my overall. Let me go to my. Let me go to my little review here because it's basically just a summarization. But um, <laughs> what is this? A movie about a retired robot assassin. So right? you do think Deckard is a replicant? Yeah. As he as he attempts to hunt down, no, he's a robot assassin. He kills robots. Oh, he's an assassin of robots. robots. Oh, yeah. okay. Yep. Uh, and he's retired because he's been doing it so long, which throws me off because it's twenty nineteen. That was the first thing that threw, I was so bonkers. I was like, wait, he's retired. It threw me off immediately because I, I mean, somebody thinking, could retire from the NFL after playing for five years. Yeah, but it, he was the greatest of all time so much that he had to come in after he was. Uh, I can't. <laughs> anyway, go okay. on. Uh, anyway, uh, who's who who attempts to hunt down? 
robot slaves who are just trying to uh, prolong their life because they understand how important life is, whereas humans have no understanding. Therefore, uh, this movie sucks. Two stars? Is that what you gave it? Two stars. I, I originally gave it three stars, but I need to be more honest with my ratings and stop feeling so bad. Harrison Ford doesn't give a shit that I gave this movie two stars. <laughs> Kristen? So... After discussing this movie a little more, like, I honestly think it has a good story. I do really think it does. But I feel like they failed a lot without adding the voiceovers to, like, where they're, like, a good degree of good voiceovers. Because that I feel like that really could have added to the movie. So right now I'm still going to stay with my rating I have on it on Letterbox. Um I forgot what I gave it. <laughs> uh one point five. Okay, I gave it one point five because I honestly feel like they could have embraced that a little more. I know they didn't want it, you know, but it kinda needs it because you're jumping into a plot of all of this and people don't really know what it is. Like you like, I know you don't want to treat viewers like they're stupid and stuff, but we need to know what's going on. You know, like. We done. We dumb. <laughs> Damn it. We See done. How dumb? See how dumb that was? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I really do like the message behind it. And the message behind it, I think, is the fact is that we need to appreciate our, like, our lives. We need to appreciate every moment that happens. And that's what I saw and I think the replicants are the heroes of this movie because they were legit evolving over time just like humans do and they wanted to live longer but they weren't designed to be that way and I think Deckard is a replicant <laughs> okay I just want to say one more thing really quick so I think that I want to kind of do a, a bit of a revision of my review. So this movie sucks unless you are able to have a discussion about it and actually talk about it and think about it. And, you know, like th I probably missed a lot of the stuff in overall the first watch. Yeah. But as we talk about it and discuss it, I've definitely gained a lot more. I would say I would almost say respect, appreciation for exactly what's happening and everything because I think – first watch i was just so lost and so confused and so just trying to follow along that none of the themes none of the none of this like in 1982 he's talking about hey guess what the planet's gonna be in such a bad position that we're gonna have to be not on the planet anymore and hey mm -hmm. we're gonna be so hateful basically that we're gonna have no feelings as people you know and you know, when you think about how we are as today's society, we totally are that way. You know, we're killing the planet and we're so obsessed with social media and stuff that we can barely even communicate with other people in real society. You know, it's it's a very interesting when you actually think about it. But I don't know. I just as a movie for a first time watcher, it was just it was a lot, you know, so. I mean, I definitely want to give it like a little bit and then watch the theatrical version with the voiceovers yeah. you know i'm kind of like not happy about the voiceovers because i've seen like the clips of the voiceovers but 
I definitely want to watch that version, you know, in a couple months just to see how I feel about it versus the final cut. Yeah, it's almost like they have the final cut and then we need the final good cut, you know. Final good cut with good voiceovers. From well, the Harrison. and the reason it's called the final cut is, you know, if a director is given final cut, they're given final say, and so mm-hmm. this is the f- time that he was Ridley Scott was actually given final cut over Blade Runner. Yeah, that's why that the program I use to edit is called Final Cut. Oh, okay. Yep. Awesome guys, I had fun. Even though I know you guys um, didn't enjoy watching it, um, I appreciate that you guys. Are do come away you know more appreciative of the story and i'm excited in a couple years for you guys to rewatch it and um re-review yeah yep sorry if i crapped on it too much no yeah i just i mean i thought it was a good movie i really did i mean like the storyline of it yeah it's awesome but i feel like it just failed a lot in like the execution of it like I don't know. Like, that's just me. I I, I'll also say when I was thinking about my, my rating and how to rate it, I thought to myself, okay, I gave UHF three stars, and I would much rather watch UHF again than this movie. So <laughs> really? I wouldn't less than, yeah. Do you still feel um, that way? Now that we've talked about it, probably not because I want to see, you know, if I can yeah. see all that stuff. But in terms of the way that I enjoyed Felt the then. movie yesterday yeah. – I would have much rather watched UHF because I I enjoyed this movie. I didn't enjoy this movie watching it. It wasn't fun, you know. Yeah, it was. It was a. I, I had a, a drag. Watch it. Yeah. Um, but I like the discussion that we had about it, and the thought good. that it made me think. Yeah. So. Well, that wraps up this film, which turns the tide over to Jacob to pick his uh, entry in film set in the future. Oh, man, y'all aren't even ready for this one. Okay, I'm pretty sure you guys know the movie, but... Okay, so I googled movie set in the future. First thing that popped up was uh, Back to the Future 2 and then Blade Runner. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, I gotta find some movies here. <laughs> um, so I scrolled through trying to find movies that I liked or knew, and I decided uh, to pick a movie that... I'm not sure if anybody knows this movie or if anybody likes this movie... But I own it, and I love it, and I've oh, played it like four or five times. And the movie is the – I should have prepped. I don't know the year that it came out or anything. Hold on. Let me do a quick Google. <laughs> it came out, and then it was set in the future. I know that. Yeah, I know that. Okay. So it's a 2015 film, uh, and it is the, the sci-fi action movie Chappie. Chappy. 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 Oh my wow. god. Yep. I am consciousness. <laughs> I love Chappy. <laughs> we watched that in theaters. I do know that, but that's the only time we've seen it. Oh, yeah, I don't think I it don't stayed think with us. I haven't seen it at all. I, I don't. Again, I mean. <laughs> I don't know why. And I don't know if this is a good movie, and we'll find out because I haven't seen it in a little while. Oh, but I remember so loving it so already. much when I first it's, watched it that it's I like bought a, it. Like a grown up a version, a grown up version of Wally. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll we'll get into it when, uh, next week. Yeah, that'll be fun. I'm excited. And then Kristen will wrap us up the following episode, um, and we'll move to a new theme 
later on, and that'll Which be Jacob's be my thing. Next. Yeah, yep. cool. Okay, Exciting. well that wraps us up. So let's um, plug some stuff, rate, review if you've listened this far. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, subscribe, of course, as well, and you can follow us on Twitter, the podcast at I L L Take Three, the number three podcast. That's at I L L Take Three podcast, and you can follow us individually as well. I'm at Alex Expressed. I am at Mr. Jake Duke. Um, and I am at I am Kristen One. And yes, I did have to look that up because I forgot again. <laughs> and of course, if you made it this All far, please. All those Twitter handles will be lost in time like tears and rain. Okay. Aww. <laughs> I was going to have everybody use the hashtag. So Okay, go uh, ahead. Go and use the hashtag uh, tears in rain, I guess, since we're on the somber note now. Well, that hashtag is probably all over the place. All right, use the about- hashtag... Hashtag, uh, uh, Hashtag skin Harrison job. Ford slurping noodles. <laughs> that's a long hashtag. What was your hashtag, Alex? Skin job. Skin job? Because that's what they uh, call the job. replicants. Yeah, oh, they God. did. I don't remember that at all. Um, anyway. Okay. Hashtag skin job. I like it. <laughs> that that's it for us. Uh, tune in again next episode for Chappie. Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, bye. Hey, everybody, it's about to go down. We're podcasting now inside our town. You will know us by the sounds we make because we talk and we talk, but we will quake your ears with our uh, review. Hot takes. Oh, that was still going. Okay. Yeah, well, your thing didn't rhyme. <laughs> okay, put that in. <laughs> <laughs>